0: Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe.
1: Yep, that's it. The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins, Brad Forsyth being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production, and a very special guest uh, this weekend, as we've had the the past several weekends out of New York, uh, Sean Cunningham, the president and CEO of the Cable Television Advertising Bureau, the CAB. For those of you who like uh, letter designations, and one of the uh, television industry's leading trade organizations, since his appointment. In June of 2003, he's transformed the CAB with the strategy of presenting the medium's many emerging options credibly to advertisers and their agencies. It's a great website, too, by the way, Brad. It is, let me turn the page here, unless you've got it right there. OneTVWorld.org. Bada-bing. There you go. Good stuff, too. And it, uh, anyway, it it looks as though also the, uh, the, uh, what is it? I've got an article here about uh, the, the ratings uh, as setting a milestone. I can't uh, put my finger on it here for the moment, but hmm. uh, but uh, where the heck did I do with that? I right, it's here somewhere. But we'll talk yeah. to Sean more about this here in just a
2: moment. Yeah, the timing on having Sean is uh, is great because we're right in the middle of the uh, uh, ending of the upfront network uh, t- uh, buying season and about sure. to start the cable. So this is good. Good timing.
1: Here, here it is. On the website, That one, one of the articles that they've got is uh, ad-supported cable scored a milestone. Uh, the uh, the uh, May 06 official sees not performing the broadcast seven networks among adults, 18 to 49. So there's a lot of stuff going on, as we might expect on cable television. So. Did,
2: did Sean write that on the back of a $100 bill? Well, he could if he wanted <laughs> to. <laughs> hey, you know, we've talked for a while now about uh, XM and Sirius potentially... Uh, uh, converging and and maybe you know sharing a little bit of their equal audiences and and maybe merging at one time or another. We're we're going to go out on a limb and stay with that idea. But here, this was interesting, Ray. Satellite radio consumers who subscribe to both XM and Sirius may soon be able to consolidate both of their satellite subscriptions into one radio s- receiver. You being an old radio guy, Ray, I know you'll appreciate this. A company called <laughs> yeah, a company called uh, Interoperable Technologies, a joint venture between. Sirius and XM is currently working on uh, a, a unit to create interoper- uh, interoperable satellite radio receiver technology. That's that the first thing they do is, need to do is come up with a change their name. name. Exactly. Yes, uh, for subscribers to access both services. Last year, the company successfully completed the design of a cable capable, a radio capable of receiving. I'm just got cable on the brain here. Uh, a radio capable of receiving both services, and now that the uh, timeline uh has uh existed now we're looking at the receiver being uh marketed later this year so it should be interesting and you know if if i don't know that there are that many consumers that subscribe to both i never thought of it in those terms i gotta believe that's a small market don't you think well you would think so yeah absolutely yeah mm-hmm. we got
1: a, i got a book here we got this off of uh well probably ebay or something like that it's called mm-hmm. radio station management okay oh and uh, this is kind of cool it's uh but when was it written well, you know what's really interesting? It was written in 1948. Oh. And there is a part in here. I want to see if I can find this here. It talks about uh, judging your audience, i.e., ratings. And wow. it talks about a thing way back then, 1948, called radar. And how you can actually, I'm serious, and how, yeah. you, how, the, how the radio station sends out a blip. Uh, gosh, I wish I could find it here. A moment here, I- I'll find it before the end of the show tonight. That's oh, here it is. Audience measurement by radar, 1948. Brad, a new method of radio audience measurement consisting of the application of radar hmm. and known instantaneous audience measurement service. Where have we heard that before recently? Mm-hmm. Developed right. by CBS, Columbia Broadcasting System, and a high-frequency audio beep signal of a few millions of a second transmitted in all directions from an existing standard radio station. A cross-section of all the radio homes in the area equipped with a special device this is cool. About the size of a portable typewriter, will hmm. automatically signal by ultra short wave to a central point uh, once each minute. So hmm. we've had reading the PPM system. It's <laughs> that's
2: 1948, Brad. Right. Isn't that cool? Interesting well, book. Interesting book. Glad to see they got it a little smaller than the typewriter size now. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. You know, right. That's, that's right. really right. interesting, Ray. I mean, uh, my yeah. goodness. Uh, not only that, but you know, uh, Arbitron has a, a, a new. Uh, Rating system out that's uh, that's uh, underway called uh, Radar, which uh, interesting. Which
1: is that, uh, the same <laughs> It's another thing. deal, another thing yeah. that has hey, to
2: do with consumers and so forth. Yes. I've got good news for you about the new Barbie doll,
1: okay? But I want to take a break here for uh, Patrick Meyer here on the advertising show. So hold that thought, Ray.
3: Okay, I will.
1: Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer.
3: Today I'm going to talk to you about a phenomenon that you need to know about. If you're doing anything in marketing and advertising, it will somehow directly or indirectly affect you, your clients, and your brands. It's all about what's getting set to happen with China and Walmart. Most companies are working in tandem with Walmart to produce goods in China to lower the cost and work in tandem, and the profit margins are still there. But there's also something that's going on. Walmart is China's number three or number four trading partner. Not a country, a company. And they're now working hand-in-hand to create goods for Walmart in every category where there's high volume. Next, Walmart's brought in brand marketers and designers to create brands and designs that can be produced in China with no manufacturer involved. Simply, China to Walmart. So what does that mean? Well, let me ask you, my friends, about brand loyalty. If a brand like Toastmaster can provide a toaster and it's $25 and Walmart creates a brand new brand of toaster and it sells for $7 how much brand loyalty is there when there's a delta between $7 and $25? That is the phenomenon. As soon as the tariffs are down and these goods start flowing into this country there will be a huge shift in brand loyalty and volume and current distribution in other channels. You're asking the question, so what do we do? Well, I don't know if you, your brand, or your company can beat Walmart at their game, but you certainly want to know the implications of this. Get a bunch of smart people in a room. Talk about where your vulnerabilities are from a China standpoint. Look at what's going on in China with Walmart and things that could blindside you over the next several years. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now.
1: Patrick Meyer, the China Syndrome was uh, the topic today, and he's always got something good to talk about here on the Advertising Show. Ray Shillens, Brad Forsyth, and I wanted to talk to you about Barbie. Okay?
2: Mm. Barbie, yeah, hold yeah. on. Let me put my can up. Yeah, it's okay. A- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Having
1: used Tickle Me Elmo to turn around the Fisher-Price uh, infant and preschool uh, division Mattel brands, uh, is now looking to add some wow to the top-selling fashion doll Barbie, where sales mm. have dri- dipped sharply over the last five years. Gee, maybe Barbie's time is over. Maybe mm. she belongs on the AARP magazine. So-called brainstorming has resulted in new Barbies that can sing, dance, and twirl a baton, as uh, ones aimed at younger girls and a special bridal line. Doesn't sound like they're doing much of anything different to uh, no. to, to excite that brand. I'm, you know, it's kind of weird. So that is it, weird, but it, but it's good news. I wanted to share it with you. I think Elmo ought to get together with
2: Barbie, tickle each other, <laughs> tickle each
1: other. Exactly. Yeah, there that'd be go. cool. What do you have there?
2: Well, you know we've been talking about uh, Walt Disney and how they unveiled a service that allows parents to oversee a variety of things, and this is really cool, Ray. This is a situation where they're offering an opportunity to manage their children's mobile phone usage, which I think is really a, an interesting idea.. Hey, what a yeah, the Disney mobile service will be set uh, pending limits and, u- and track usage uh, over voice minutes, uh, text messaging, and pictures, and so forth. So it's uh, And it's all available through Disney, so it's a great idea and a timely idea. Timely, well, right. that's
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sean Cunningham here in just a moment on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth.
0: Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Drink Dr. Pepper and I'm proud I used to be alone in a crowd But now you look around these days here on
1: the advertising show, Rachel and Fred Forsyth and as promised, uh, Sean Cunningham out of New York, our special guests uh, for this segment. And a couple more as well. Sean is the president and CEO of the Cable Television Advertising Bureau, the CAB, uh, one of the uh, television industry's leading tra- trade organizations. Uh, Sean was uh, recently executive vice president and uh, managing director at Universal McCann in New York. And, uh, Sean, we welcome you to
2: the show. It is so great to have you on the advertising show. Well,
4: thank you for having me
2: happy to uh, join you guys tonight. Yeah, well, uh, our pleasure and uh, you know, let's let's start it off easy here, the CAB. Let, let's let's begin uh, Sean by defining your your membership. Who are the members and and what the, what is the purpose behind the CAB?
4: Well, we're we Have got 101 uh, of the uh, cable networks, the programmers, if you will, are members. So, basically, uh, anything on your dial is uh, is a member uh, in terms of a cable network, as well as all the operators, all the major operators. So, uh, you know, whether it's Comcast, Charter, Cox, Cablevision, uh, the like. Uh, And our job essentially is to, you know, advocate uh, for cable advertising and you know sort of make the case for cable, but. we have found that the best way we can do that is really to talk about television as a whole uh, because there's just such you know uh, enormous evolution revolution and you know shades of each going on that uh, you know uh, when we find that we really just focus on the entire sort of you know meta medium of TV that's of most use to people so we uh, we talk to agencies all day long advertisers all day long and um, you know travel quite a bit and uh, just try to be of use to the people who are trying to market goods and services on television
2: yeah well in a minute we're going to talk a little bit about the changes going on in in both uh, well just television in general and uh, before we do that ray mentioned that you were formerly executive vp and managing director at ad agency universal mccann i'm curious uh has has your agency experience on the planning side influenced your work at cab at all
4: oh i think definitely i mean I, i there there has been really a seismic shift in uh, first of all consolidation in terms of if you will on the agency plan buy side where you know uh i remember um uh, in the late 90s um saying to people welcome to the billion dollar club and that was you know quite a milestone in the late 90s to be of an agency a media agency that had a billion dollars in uh, in billings and you know now these days um there's been such massive consolidation it's more like welcome to the three billion dollar club uh, piece and uh-huh. you know so but I think that the thing about my background that's helped me the most is understanding how decisions get made with respect to just a, a tremendous escalation in the sophistication of the tools the data tools the types of insights that you know strategic planners can generate and their ability to take a lot of sophisticated client data, whether it's segmentation studies, usage studies, awareness attitudes, and really kind of bring that down to the point of execution where maybe in, you know, years back, it, you know, really was, if you will, the question of how much cable, how much network, how much spot was really left in the buyer's hands. And I think from, you know, my background, developing, you know, tools and things like that and, you know, building strategic planning departments, I could really see how much of the decision-making in terms of, you know, um, how how much cable, how much network, you know, uh, why all the different moving parts had to fit in certain ways were really about a escalation and sophistication of insights. So understanding that, I think, you know, really helped me to go out and talk to people about, okay, this is how you use television to sell more stuff, because I'd come from places where we made a lot of these tools.
2: You know, I think it's a point well said, and and I think what's missing in a lot of trade orgs today, I'm not singling any one out, but, and that's real world experience, which you bring to CAB, and you articulated that very well. You know, at this year's CAB conference, you spoke about several common goals that you determined while talking with advertisers at the event, and I want to talk about a few of those, if we could, Sean. Uh, One in particular, I think you, you mentioned the perpetual goal to sell all of this year's uh, product, and you also mentioned uh, finding new ways to sell. Can you talk a little bit about those two things?
4: Well, you know, it, also, you know, coming from an agency side where, you know, you live and breathe solving client problems. And when, when you come from that background and you get the opportunity to continue to call on the top, you know, the nation's top 200 advertisers, and then if you will also go market to market and call on car dealers and furniture retailers and everything like that. You know, you realize that you know they they're under the evergreen and perpetual pressure to sell all their SKUs, all their models, you know, all their inventory, and that's always been a given. Um, but what we realize is that you know there's the average you know company, uh, Fortune 500 company, and the average you know five state furniture retailer has got so much sophisticated data about you know themselves their competition all their suppliers their you know their their uh, supply chain and everything that you know marketers are under great scrutiny for you know a lot of pressure being put on them be it by procurement officers or just be it by regional management for all right, you know, how are you going to now turn around and in a changing media environment, how are you going to sell 20% more stuff next year? How are you going to mm-hmm. launch that new car? You know, how are you going to be able to you know, launch you know, a new flavor without cannibalizing our current audience? And the thing that we've seen was the evolution of, you know, the, the pressure to answer, how are you going to sell tomorrow, is one that all advertisers seem to have to answer today. And that, that we, we saw is really, you know, coming up with really concrete answers. For you know, what's the model look like down the road and being able to articulate those and put some metrics around those for a president or a procurement officer or the owner of a furniture retailer. Currently, while you're selling all the current stuff, that was just rampant as we talked to everyone. And it, it's really a the, you know, heck of a pressure cooker out there.
2: Mm-hmm. well let's shift gears for a second. I know uh, anyone that's uh, in the in the business or around the business knows that the network uh, upfronts just concluded or are concluding this week, and uh, cable television other than a handful of some minor deals uh, hasn't really gotten off the ground yet any Any sense for how the network uh, upfronts have gone
4: oh you know there's there's um, there's the sense that uh, they went in terms of you know volume. It, it all depends on, you know, how how much ultimate volume some of the larger ones did. But, you know, there's some popular wisdom out there that says that they were up single digits or maybe they were flat or collectively that maybe they were even down, you know, a hair or two. Um, I think that that's not, that's not too, you know, off the mark for what a lot of people on the buy and the sell side both thought for the year going in, and that was is that, you know, um, that, you know, Slow growth, no growth, or negative growth was probably what we were looking at uh, for the broadcast networks. Um, so, I don't know that there's been any great, you know, surprises coming out of that so far. I, I think that, you know, every market's different, every year is organically different, runs at its own rate and pace. So, you know, you, you can never, you know, prognosticate too much. But I think it's sort of felt so far in these first few weeks like we all kind of thought it might feel in terms of uh, the, the rate and pace and the sort of volume indicators of the market. So I, I, I'd say, you know, no surprises so far.
2: You know, with the general softness in the market, if you can uh, claim single-digit uh, increases, I think that's obviously something to be proud of. You know, in years in past, uh, Sean, a weak broadcast upfront benefited cable, but, but yet this uh, seems to maybe not necessarily going to be the case this year. Uh, or would you expect that to, to be the same case this you know, year? Your I, thoughts?
4: I think we still feel. I think we still feel very good. I mean, you know, the. I think the key is not to be thrown off by the rate and pace. You know, two years ago, two upfronts ago. Um all all of the, you know, it seemed like the majority of all the volume was done in nine days. And then last year it took nine weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, now, at the end of the day, cable was up about five percent year over year. Uh, so it really didn't matter per se that it took nine weeks versus nine days. And I, I think that's part of sort of the nerves of steel psychology of this whole thing is that you know the, um, the buyers aren't necessarily you know, afraid of scatter. Uh, I think that there also is. It's the beginning of us as a market understanding that you know the that the rate and pace of upfront being a little slower and a little more methodical. I don't know that we can read that as being quote unquote softness because when you count the money up after four quarters, if you're in cable, for example, you're going to probably find yourself high single digits up versus a year ago. I think the money is there. I just think that. You know, clients want to make decisions about how to allocate that money closer to the quarters themselves, closer to their own product, you know, launch and planning cycles.
1: Special guest here on The Advertising Show, Sean Cunningham, who is the president and CEO of the Cable Television Advertising Bureau, the CAB. And uh, we've got more with Sean. We'll continue here in just a moment on The Advertising Show.
0: Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. I love the sound of the rain. Mm. And I love the taste of your fresh fruit coffee. Oh, thanks, but it's not fresh fruit. It's new tray caps.
1: Like we said. Just like the Nothing Energizer Bunny, the, uh, the Cable energy. Television Advertising <laughs> Bureau keeps, keeps growing going, and yes. going and going yes. and going. Our uh, special guest out of New York is Sean Cunningham, President and CEO of Cable Television Advertising Bureau. And the website, by the way, check it out. A lot of good stuff there. OneTVWorld.org is, the, uh, is the website, and that is the uh, spelling out O-N-E. We have to clarify that, Sean. Welcome back to
2: the Advertising Show. Great to have you here.
4: Thank you for having me.
2: And I assume if someone were to, to uh, put in their cursor there the number one, uh, tvworld.org, they'd also get to the same site, right, Sean? We
4: we would t- take just as good care of them.
2: I would, would imagine that's they wonderful. Could, yeah. they, they could even well, put
4: in C A B and we we take good care of them too. The
2: the old uh, yeah, and your Sean old Sean is such uh, a thoughtful guy. You know, do <laughs> like true. that about him. You know, uh, let's jump into some of the hot topics going on in your industry right now, and uh, in particular, I'd like to get your thoughts about the new CW network, Sean. It's you know, is this being viewed as a successful strategy? I mean, when when you think about the uh, significant shift in ad dollars by combining UPN and WB into one network called CW, what do you expect
4: there? You know, I think I think first of all, it is a it is a one plus one you know a one plus one equals one scenario. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when we, you know, uh, heard and went through the multi-year uh, iterations of listening to WB and UPN, you know, neither of those organizations said, you know, and our end goal will be ultimately to ditch both our brand names and meld into a single broadcast network. Um, so, you know, I really do think that, you know, what was happening was that, you um, You had, I think, broadcast entities that were attempting to brand and attempting to go after very specific segments uh, and ultimately just didn't find it to be as viable as they hoped. And so I think they're taking sort of the best of, you know, both, you know, the best of both skeletons and seeing if they've got a a walking, talking, breathing network. And I think, you know, the jury's still out into whether or not, you know, the the viewers are going to see the value.
2: You know, that's a fair assessment, and I, I, uh, and coming from, you know, the head of the CAB, that's extremely uh, uh, objective of you to say that, because ideally in business you would think 1 plus 1 would equal 3 or at least 2, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I concur uh, 100% with your take on that. Earlier this year, Sean, the FCC issued a report su- uh, supporting so-called a la carte pricing based on per cable uh, channel need of the consumer. Where are we on this issue currently,
4: Sean? Because that report directly contradicted one that the previous uh, FCC's uh, administration had come up with, uh, so it was funny that the the Martin administration came up with uh, something that was 179 degrees away from what the Powell administration came up with. But that's neither here nor there. I mean, it's a I think it's a it's an issue where, um, from an advertising perspective, you know, there is uh, what's kind of getting lost is that you're looking at if you went to an à la carte distribution scenario you're looking at a much higher cost of goods for your top 200 advertisers and when you you know artificially limit uh, a footprint you know you're now talking about having less sellable grps in a marketplace and so you know what happens is is that the you know the, the cost associated with those grps assuming demand doesn't change are going to be a heck of a lot more expensive mm-hmm. and uh you know, so there is a, and it's not a small, you know, cost of goods thing. It's a, it, it really is something that would have um, sort of a tremendous economic disruption into the economies of television. I mean, if you think about, you know, um, packaged goods and someone who's got, you know, 15 shampoo brands and, you know, uh, soap divisions and detergent divisions and who really need television to be, you know, a really strong 52-week low CPM connector to a ton of constituencies, you know, that are splayed across, you know, 100 television channels. When you suddenly drive up that company's cost of goods for doing, you know, a real efficient core part of their marketing, that has to come out somewhere else in the marketing budget or the overall, you know, product budget. And mm-hmm. so the the unintended effect of a la carte, and while it seems like, oh, geez, well, people would have lower cable bills. Really doesn't no one's really proven that yet a and B the thing that people aren't thinking about is okay even if you were to lower their cable bills which we haven't seen a model where it works you just jacked up their price of their automobiles mm-hmm. or their price of their diapers or their price of their cola mm-hmm. and uh, so it, it's a you know it's a it's a hot potato in Washington um, you know it uh, it's something that to sort of the populist ear, Oh, that sounds like a great idea, but at the end of the day, when it not only doesn't save people money on their cable bill, but suddenly, you know, it starts to fool around with their their own consumer price points on cost of goods, it's not going to seem like that bright an idea.
2: Yeah, and you know, it's too bad that uh, people in Washington. Are not shopping at Costco or, or Sam's Wholesaler, they would understand the uh, concept you just uh, delineated. I mean, try to go there and buy a pack of gum. They, they pull a, a forklift out and you have to buy a gross of them, you know. But uh, anyway, uh, as more media companies, giants, uh, acquire websites to bundle services, Sean, I'm, I'm curious what's your take on how advertisers are viewing these opportunities? I mean, do, do you feel that advertisers want websites that have standalone value or do or, uh, they want it viewed? as a package integrated with another traditional media channel.
1: Let's get the answer to part of that question here. We've got about 30 seconds before the break as well. Go ahead, Sean.
4: I think it's about brands. I mean, I think that you, if you know a lot about your brand and you can make a marriage with another brand that is a perfect fit for your customer, that brand can express itself across a cable channel, across a magazine, across a website, and it's it's a right fit because it's the right brand. To,
1: We've got to leave the thing. There you go. Thank you, Sean. We'll be back uh, here in just a moment with more of the advertising show. Sean Cunningham, our special guest with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. Sean is president and CEO of the Cable Television Advertising Bureau. Back in a moment.
0: Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is the Advertising Show.
1: Angelique. I can bring on a bacon Angelique. Fry it up in a pan Angelique. And never let you forget You're a man That was for our guest last week, Brad. You What's know, that? Oxygen, that, that particular oh, yes. commercial. That's yeah, right, true. exactly. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Ray Hens and Brad Forsyth. One more segment with Sean Cunningham out of New York this weekend is the uh, president and CEO of the uh, Cable Television Advertising Bureau. Sean,
2: welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you very
4: much.
2: Yeah, we ended uh, talking about branding. Let's circle back around and talk a little bit about that. You've been quoted, Sean, as saying cable has a branding advantage over what you've characterized as the faceless broadcast networks. You want to explain what you mean by this? Uh, I've got uh, network people hanging over me here asking me to ask you this. <laughs>
4: all right. Uh, it's it's first of all, I it, to me it's a it's a delineation between you know how it really is about how television exploded and it's not really a knock on broadcasters I mean broadcasters have a specific model where they're trying to appeal to as many people with as many different types of fare on any given evening and you know they still you know with all the competition do a fairly good darn job of it you know and so it, it isn't a cable good broadcast bad kind of thing but it is to say you know Brands came up in branded television through being able to meet people's very specific content needs and sort of, you know, getting that sort of, you know, bond of trust going and then having them ever more watch more, experience you on multi platforms. I mean, and it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, it took 25 years to build the mega brand that's called ESPN. That being said, ESPN is personal with an enormity of the country's mail in a population and is a food group, as far as they're concerned. The same Mm -hmm. can be said for, you know, uh, a food network or a Discovery or an HGTV. They're they're very personal, and, you know, we, we just think that, you know, that's really the biggest difference is that, you know, it used to be that you found, you know, your mass television audiences in broadcast programs, and now you find your mass television audiences that are distributed among a whole bunch of different... You know, passion-based cable brands that really have a lot of self-evident titles to them. So, it's just to us, it is. You know, what what changed about TV in the last 25 years? Brands, really simple.
2: Well, that's uh, you know, and staying with the uh, uh, audience idea there for a second. Advertisers complain that that younger demos. Sean are not watching TV anymore broadcast or cable yet we all know when many marketers uh, want to reach the young adult they're quick to include MTV in their buy perhaps you can clear up this picture for us and where exactly are the the youth of today uh, uh, viewing are they are they still with cable and network or where are they
4: what's interesting is that the two fastest growing uh, the two fastest growing segments in television are children 12 to 17 and adults um eighteen to twenty four. The fact is is that given the amazing amount of options that they have, given the fact that they're computer literate, that they're device athletes, that they, you know, are relentless editors of content, um and, you know, they they're just so facile at so many different layers of connectivity. You know, the medium of choice in terms of number of hours per day and days per week still continues, not only continues to be television, but, you know, actually television viewing among those segments is stronger than ever. And I think that's largely because of, again, those self evident brands where, you know, somebody may start, you know, at a noggin, at a Nickelodeon, at a, at a Disney, and they they're just will find a, another self evident channel to reach out to that's going to take care of whatever their needs are for, you know, the next period of time, whether that's. You know uh, whether that's you know something that's more teen-based and then more young adult-based, up to Comedy Central, and they kind of get their handheld, you know, through, you know, twelve through twenty-four fairly well by a couple dozen different cable offerings. And by the way, they like some broadcast programming too. So, you know, the one of the one of the great one of the great things to watch for is what this next generation of consumers is going to do, and all of the pundits. Um, in the early and mid-90s assumed that television would be irrelevant, and it's actually, if you will, hotter than it's ever been before, which is completely counterintuitive and always a surprise when we present advertisers with those numbers, but they are what they are.
2: Yeah, we have about a minute left, Sean. Uh, I want to get your take—a uh, good ending uh, question here on interactive t- the TV uh, interactive TV concept, the ability for viewers to talk back to their TV sets. How close are we in seeing this come uh, to a reality here?
4: Oh, I think that you know, uh, election and being able to manipulate TV is 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 already there. I mean, you know, we are we need to get a couple of you know giant rev share deals done between programmers and operators in order to get you know the best of the best content in an on demand channel and get people, you know, good with, you know, getting through multi menus and really manipulating their content and being very specific and about what they do in a non-linear fashion. But the key is, you know, the from a cable perspective, you know, the pipeline's already there. The key is getting the data back to the advertiser so they know what they're buying.
1: Sean Cunningham, thank you uh, so much for uh, taking time out of your weekend to be a part of the advertising show out of New York and most importantly by Cable Advertising, right? <laughs> cable Advertising, uh, tele, Cable Television Advertising Bureau, 1TVWorld.org. We've got more of The Advertising Show in just a minute.
0: You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Hello, boy. Now, what do you say? Let's make with the popcorn right away. Too much trouble and bother, yes, indeed. No,
1: man, kind of breaking a tradition here, Brad. We have he's no beer commercials uh, mm-hmm. throughout the show today. So that is unusual. We do have popcorn, though, so if you'd like something to drink, just let me know. Well, uh, something carbonated, please. Something carbonated. That works for me. It's uh, thanks to, uh, to Sean Cunningham, president, CEO of Cable Television Advertising Bureau. And we hope uh, you can be with us next week. We've got uh, a gentleman by the name of Lance Still. Uh, who is Vice President of Promotions at New Line Cinema. Cinema advertising, absolutely, humongously large. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it's
2: kind of cool. Hey, I wanted to share this with well, you. Well, actually, what that, that's a movie for a movie company. For a, a movie company. To okay. in, as opposed to in theater, yeah.
1: Okay, well, I was, reading, Just, uh, uh, I was reading about the advertising
2: as well this past week. It's like, you know, we, we had talked about that before. hmm about well, I mean, you know, the, kind of today, intrusive. yeah, today the uh, the movies, real quickly, the, the movies are all about uh, multiple channels, using multiple channels and word of mouth and all kinds sure. of things in order yeah. to create, uh, you know, interest in movies that break. And my goodness, the amount of money that they invest in movies today, you got to hope that you hit a home run or two now and then, huh? Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, before we get into uh, Gittimer here, I want to uh, read this uh, from the Radio Station Management Book of 1948, okay? <laughs> yeah. It says, responsibility for all commercial copy, and this is advertising, should be vested in the Continuity Acceptance Editor. This individual should be familiar with the Federal Trade Commission operations and be on the Better Business Bureau mailing list. That's gone away. All commercial copy, both live and transcription, should be carefully checked before being broadcast. The size of the organization originating the copy does not ensure quality or even good taste. Well, that doesn't change. Uh, Good commercial continuity writers are a sound salary investment. It's unfortunately true that retailers reporting less satisfactory results from their radio advertising are the retailers who place most... Most reliance on the station personnel for commercial copy. It says good copy sells. Good copy made up of short sentences of working words, fewer adjectives, more verbs and adverbs, direct, simple language of everyday
2: words used in good taste. <laughs> and, and, and remind us of the year again, Ray. Nineteen forty-eight. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, we're we're moving to shorter spots.
1: All right. So they got that right. Yeah, we got the one second spots. Then we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Right. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Gittimer is with us here on the advertising show. With every sale comes risk and reward, okay? And if you can remove the risk, you get the sale. At least that's what Jeffrey says. Let's listen. <laughs> Quick takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense
5: commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. I'm going to give you a way to complete the transaction. No, I'm not going to give you a close, the sharp angle close, the Benjamin Franklin close. I'm going to give you a way, a strategy to complete every sale that you try. The challenge is what's the risk, what's the reward? Risk is real and it's a real block to the sale. And too often salespeople misjudge risk for objection and continue to press for the close. You ever had a pushy salesman who seemed more interested in your wallet than your safety? When a prospect hesitates, you simply ask him or her to list the risks of purchase. Actually write them down, prompt others. If the prospect says, I'm really not sure, Then you say, could it be? And after you feel the list is complete, ask the prospect to list the rewards. Write them down and embellish them as much as possible without puking all over the guy. Then eliminate the risks one by one with lead-in phrases like, well, look, suppose we could do this, or did you know that, or I think we can, or... Then you can simply ask, can you see any other reasons not to proceed? One at a time, brick by brick, remove the risks that the buyer perceives as fatal mistakes in his or her decision-making process, then drive home the rewards, both emotionally and logically. If that customer's qualified and has a stated need and wants it, and it's, uh, it's become risk-free, then you have the reward, the order. Yeah.
1: Yes, on the advertising show, I, I'm always wanting to have more of Jeffrey there, but I guess that's about the best way to get out of that feature. Your <laughs> and on socks, yes. yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, next week, uh, Lance Still, Vice President Promotions, New Line Cinema, look forward to that, and we hope you'll tell your friends about it uh, as well. Here at the advertising show, by the way, I wanted to mention uh, uh, the site that uh, that we use to promote the show, and actually to make the show a very efficient marketing vehicle, so lots and lots of people can hear about it. It's uh, from uh, Schipel, S S-C-H- C A. H-I-P-U-L dot com. And uh, the, the product is actually called Tendency. And uh, check it out. Ed Shippel and his crew here in the Houston market uh, do a great job of uh, just making the whole site very active and, and more powerful, Brad. And I think you'll agree with me, than it ever has mm-hmm.
2: been before. So it really mm-hmm. all comes together. It's Shippel.com. So check it they out They do a great well. job. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if Ed's thinking about changing his name since that uh, new medical abbreviation. E.D. ED. Erectile dysfunction. That's what they call it now, you know. know if you've ED. seen the spots, they say, you know, he has ED. ED, I know. At least they don't say he has ED. Yeah, well, <laughs> fortunately for ED, they don't say that. No, they don't
1: know. say that, and I'm not happy yeah. for him as well. You know,
2: I saw uh, Brokeback Mountain uh, a week ago, my wife and I, on uh, VOD, uh, on cable, and I just decided I wanted to see it out of curiosity, there's and uh, well, and I got to tell you, it, I regret not seeing it on the big screen because it had a lot of uh, beautiful uh, film footage or pictorials that were included in the uh, in the film, which you really don't get on the small screen. Oh, that makes but, sense. Sure. You know, I'll, I will just simply say people want to know my opinion. I know they're hanging on every word I say, especially with regard to film, <laughs> especially with regard to Brokeback Mountain. Right. <laughs> but would. it just you know brings a new meaning for me to the term cowpoke. <laughs> being from Texas, you
5: know. you I,
1: I just wanted it. to end on did that again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Comedy Central and the uh, Blue Collar
2: Comedy Tour, folks. Yeah. That's, that's, that's true. pretty good, though. Did you think that up all yourself? while well, just sitting here thinking about it, I did come up with it. And being in Texas, you hear all those terms and finally had a chance to use one. Okay. Well, that's
1: good. So cowpoke and go see Brokeback Mountain, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, there you go. It's been fun. We hope, uh, hope you come back next week. Uh, Lance Still, Vice President. Of promotions, new line cinema, speaking of uh, motion pictures and stuff, right? Yeah. And we'll have that uh, that for you as well. So, uh, in the meantime, go visit the theadvertisingshow.com and listen to some of the uh, the archive of podcasts and RSS feeds. Advertising Show is brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com.
0: We'll see you next week. This is a Big Radio Midgets production.